I'm Logan, and this is a decidedly different episode of Automatic for the People. It's automatic, it's automatic, it's automatic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Automatic for the People, a Mr. Robot podcast. We are doing our Mr. Robot rewatch, and as I said in the last episode, Ryan is taking a break from podcasting um we are going to be talking about legion starting um next week uh i know as this is hitting your feed the first episode of the final season of legion is airing um it will be uh thursday before we get a chance to talk about it uh joining me is going to be jess in atlanta frequent uh co-host of this podcast um She's, uh, she became a legionnaire, I guess you could say, uh, when she did a Dragon Con panel and binge watched the whole show last year. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to talking Legion with her, but we're talking Mr. Robot and we are on season three, episode six of our rewatch, um, which I am pretty confident that, uh, Everything we need to know about the show is in this episode, like where the show's going, what it's all really about, what it's, you know, been building up to. There's so much cryptic information in this episode. I I really think this is the key uh, to understanding the entire show. It's, I think it, uh, well, I should say we're talking about... Season 3, Episode 6, Kill Process, um, which sees Elliot trying to stop the, uh, the attack, uh, Stage 3, what he thinks is Stage 3. Um, it is such a riveting and devastating episode. Um, you get this five seconds of Elliot thinking that there's a victory, and you knowing that something's wrong but not knowing exactly what's wrong um there's so much in here Angela making this stand against everything saying you know I'm gonna do this and it's gonna set everything right um there's a lot of hints to these um alternate dimensions uh or other timelines including Angela's mom at the beginning of the episode um it's something I'm pretty sure we discussed in depth in our original rundown of the episode which you're going to hear after I'm done blabbering on by myself so hopefully you'll enjoy that I'm not gonna talk for 30 minutes about uh my rewatch of this episode um I just I really do think it is the key but we just don't know to what yet. Um, it, it's just, I don't know, the, the one-two punch of these last two episodes, Runtime Error and Kill Process, it might might be the best in the history of television, um, which is uh, a very, very big statement. Um, and no, I haven't seen every episode I've, of everything. I've never even seen The Sopranos. I never finished Deadwood. I know, I know, I know. But holy hell, uh, these two episodes. This one, 
Rami Malek's uh, Emmy is in this episode. Like, if you ever doubt um, his talent, watch this episode. It's freaking brilliant. Uh, it's such a good performance. It's so well directed that editing, which we don't talk about enough, um, the way they do it in this episode, it, it's just it all works so damn well. Um, and there's just so much going on. I cannot wait to see uh, how the pieces that come out of the box in this episode get put together in the to form, you know, what will be the entire puzzle of this show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm blabbering on. I know, uh, God. So go listen to our original discussion, which should start, uh, in just a minute or so. Um, and I'll be back, uh, maybe tomorrow talking about the next episode. Um, as I kind of, uh, wrap up our rewatch solo, we've got, uh, uh, four more episodes to go. Um, so hopefully I'll have all those done by the end of this week. And, uh, by this weekend, you should have a, uh, hopefully this weekend, you should have a discussion of Legion, uh, in your podcast feed. So, uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned here. Uh, much, much more intelligent conversation. I hope about this episode. Thanks. I'm Logan and I'm Ryan. And this is Automatic for the People. It's automatic, it's automatic, it's automatic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Automatic for the People, a Mr. Robot podcast. If you hear any chattering, it's my teeth because I'm freezing. <laughs> or my kids in the background. Uh, um, I'm... I've become the monitor, the power bill guy, except in the summer, which my power bill never got over like $85 this summer. And I would keep it at like 70 in the house. So that's pretty good. Well, that's because you ha- didn't have people coming behind you, you know, turning it up to 75 and you, you come home and you're like, turn it down to 68. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I came home after my surgery for like, what, like four or five days, I stayed uh, at my mom's house and she would get up in the morning, turn the air off and then open all the windows to let the fresh air in. And then like by 10 o'clock, she would shut all the windows and then turn the air on. And I'm like, do you know how much energy you're wasting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it takes a lot to cool back down. So, and then she's like, my power bill's just so high. I'm like, yeah, because you get up in the morning and let every single ounce of cool air out of the house. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it's not like, oh, there's, it's, you know, rainy and kind of cool and breezy outside, so... Yeah, it's it's 95, 97 degrees, 110 with the heat index. Columbus, Georgia is, for the most part, like... It's not even an armpit. It's like... Um... I don't a know. A crotch. <laughs> it's like a crotch. 
It's like the crotch of the South. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, why? It's it's hot and it's so, like, it's not a dry heat. It's just incredibly wet. <laughs> the humidity is ridiculous. Um, and when it rains, you're just like, why does it smell? <laughs> yeah, it's like a stink just washes over the city. Like, it smells like there's dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Um, so anyway, none of that is about Mr. Robot. Um, so we haven't spoilers, made it 30 minutes yet. Yeah, I know. Spoilers for 30, for 30, <laughs> for spoilers 30, for 30, 30. minutes from mm-hmm. now. <laughs> Uh, spoilers for Mr. Robot. If you haven't watched this week's episode or this season, maybe don't listen to us talk about it. Cause yeah, there's definitely spoiler stuff in here. Um, we're getting closer and closer and closer to me just being able to start the show by saying I'm Logan and I was right. <laughs> oh no. I mean, yeah, you, you, you got that one. Well, we think so. Or at least Angela seems to think so. You know, I I wonder if it's all going to turn out to be a lie. But, like, why would Angela... Like, she would have to have some kind of proof to believe in this. This lie, right? That they can somehow change everything that's happened. Yeah, she doesn't strike me as someone who just blindly <laughs> follows... Someone who says, "Hey, the sky is falling." Okay, let's run. The sky is falling. Yeah, she's so. not. She's not naive. She's she's manipulative, but she's not naive. Um, but that's getting a little ahead of everything else in the show. Um, what about that opening, man? Oh, that was awesome. Um, um, I actually had to think about it. Um, I I have all those cartoons, by the way. Um. Oh, I knew immediately what it was. Yeah, as soon I knew it was Huey, Huey Lewis as soon as the Mr. Robot thing popped up. And then uh, I, I didn't even have a chance to go, oh, that's the, yeah, that's the theme song from the Back to the Future cartoon, which is also part of the soundtrack to Back to the Future. Right. It's called Back in Time. It wound up being... Uh, the closing song in Back to the Future or something and became the theme song for the cartoon series. Um, Was it... What's the opening music in Back to the Future? It's... it's Power it's, of Love, uh, right? Power of... Yeah. Okay. Um, it's been a while. There was the Power of Love and Back in Time were the two... Quote unquote hits. Um, Power of Love was like out and out just a hit. Oh, yeah, so, total hit. Yeah. Like, uh, it was up there with the Top Gun song. Uh, crazy Danger for Zone. you. Oh, Danger Zone. I was going to say Crazy for You. No, <laughs> I hate <Danger>. that song. <laughs> <laughs> Danger Zone's okay. Um, so, yeah, we get the, the back in time, which. If I remember right, they they I do know they used the cartoon version, but I don't think that's Huey Lewis and the News singing that. No, I was I'm pretty sure that's Huey. If they took the intro to this, sounded like Huey Lewis. 
And I know for a fact the intro to the cartoon was Huey Lewis. Are you sure? Yes, I looked it up. <laughs> okay. Well, then it, then it's Huey Lewis. But for whatever, maybe, I don't know, just the sound quality, which would make sense. So, I just, I don't know. It didn't sound like Huey Lewis to me. So, I did to me. <clears throat> excuse me. I guess maybe you're more of a, a Huey Lewis. Um, no, I'm not. I'm, I just... I think Shionato. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Don't pin that on me. <laughs> so, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It says the music for the intro is a recreated version of Back in Time, originally by Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, okay. Well, then, then I'm wrong. It sounded just like Huey Lewis to me. But it doesn't but, say who. No, did what it. I look what I looked up was the intro to the cartoon, not the intro to that this episode. No, I'm so. looking at the intro to the cartoon on Wikipedia. I Where'd looked you look that it up? up. Where'd you look it up? Well, I kind of didn't click on the whole link. I just kind of read what was on Google underneath the link. <laughs> See, I I knew. That didn't sound like Huey Lewis, but it doesn't say who it is, so I don't know. So I, I can't say definitively, no, it's not. Well, uh, maybe, I don't know. First of all, sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, but it does sound like Huey Lewis to me. <laughs> uh, see, now, now I'm obsessed with this. Uh, just let it go. Let's move on. I'm not letting it go. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I'm Googling who sings the Back to the Future cartoon intro. And of course, Google does not have the answer to that. See, there's some crap that even Google doesn't know. Uh, all it wants to talk about is the uh, the freaking Doc Brown openings. Uh, Stupid Google. Which, isn't it funny that last week we specifically mentioned... <laughs> yeah, the Doc Brown. The Doc Brown <laughs> intros and the cartoon and how, like, amazing it would be to have a Mr. Robot cartoon. I mean, that it, it would be awesome. Like, we got that little retro episode last season. Yeah. Of the, you know, it would be totally awesome to get a totally cartooned out version of, I won't say totally again after that, um, of Mr. Robot. Just everybody in cartoon character and just the whole episode animated in the same style that Back to the Future part, or Back to the Future cartoon series was was done in. So I don't know if the animator's still alive, but they would have to go find him and Sam Esvell would have to be like, look, I need you to do this for me. <laughs> Sorry, I've got, I don't know why I've got, got a cough all of a sudden. Uh, I guess it's because I'm freaking freezing my butt off. Did and you know Bill Nye was uh, part of the Back to the Future cartoon? Um, uh, I want to say I did know that, but 
It sounds like I've heard that before. Uh, I'm there's I mean there's a there's like a Back to the Future uh, wiki page. So um, I'm looking for like just whatever I can find, but it doesn't say anything about the freaking theme song and who would have sung it. So, hey, if you know, tweet us at Mr. Robot Podcast because I'm not going to waste anybody else's time looking this crap up. I should have looked it up before we started. But, yeah. The I've got the episodes. Maybe I can watch the credits and catch a name and maybe we can catch them on, so- catch them on so- social media and maybe, you know, like have a chat with them. <laughs> How was it doing that Huey Lewis song that was so famous from Back to the Future? <laughs> Did you know that you're featured on an episode of Mr. Robot? <laughs> like, what? What's that? Oh, man. <laughs> What's a Mr. Robot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we're in the past. Uh, we see Elliot's dad talking to... Immediately, you know it's young Angela. So, yeah, well, I mean, she's watching the Back to the Future cartoon. <laughs> um, oh, the reason I asked about the beginning of the Back to the Future movie was because this felt a lot like that. Like, it's this dark opening, right? And you just see, like, people's names. And then the music kicks in, and then, you know, you jump into it. And that's kind of how... Back to the Future opens right with the 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 Alan Silvestri theme music. That, yeah, like, I think Twinkle thing. I think the the first would you say ten minutes uh, of Back to the Future? Yeah, maybe, maybe not that long. Might be one of the greatest openings to a movie. Like it immediately puts you on. Like, alert. Like, yeah. what is going on? And then he blows himself up with the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he's like, I'm late for school. <laughs> and then the music and, kicks in. Yeah, and then it just jumps into all-out fun. So, uh, I need to rewatch. I, I, we rewatched Back to the Future Part 2, I know, after Season 1. So, yeah, I need to just go back and rewatch those. Um, so, yeah, we're in the past. I kind of figured when he sits down and is like, starts talking to her, and she's like, where's Elliot? And he's like, Elliot didn't want to come. I'm like, they're either at the wake for or viewing or something for her mom, or this is some kind of... You missed the cake then, didn't you? No, I, I saw the cake. Okay. This is before you see the cake. Oh, okay. I was like, this has something to do with her mom. And then he starts talking, and he's like, there's a cake, and it... <laughs> see you in another life? I know. How creepy is that, dude? Who bought that cake? Like, if it's not her, if it's anybody else, then it's inappropriate, and you should be asked to leave. It would be like somebody showing up to, uh, uh, I, I don't, I can't even think of an equivalent. It's like, look, 
I'm the one dying. I can make the jokes. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, if I tell you I get, you know, if I tell you I'm terminal and well, I might not be terminal, but I'm tired of taking all these drugs and I give up and blah blah blah. Do not bring me a cake that says see you in another life. Mm. Um I don't not a cake, man. It's a nice <laughs> sentiment, but you don't write it on a cake. <laughs> write it on a card and give it to no, me. No, not even a card. Look at me in the face and just say, I love you and I'm really sorry this is happening. I'll see you in another life. I mean that that's that's sincere sentiment. Writing it on a cake makes it like this cheap party favor. <laughs> and it wasn't even like a highly decorated cake. It looked no. like it was <laughs> I mean, it was written in like I could have done that with the the stuff I've got for cake decorating. <laughs> oh, and Elliot's dad talking to uh Angela about Back to the Future was just it was really sweet, but I, I don't know, something about it. I was just like, it's kind of cool that he shares this with with those kids. You know what I mean? No, I thought it was great. Yeah, that they all share that connection of Back to the Future. Um, so, I, I mean, think... It, it and it kind of hits home with both of us. Yeah, that's what know? I was going to say. I think it rings true because of like the things when we get around our dad that it always kind of gravitates towards. Um, you know, it's either Star Wars or Back to the Future or, or Die Hard or yeah, Die Hard stuff or Spider Man or you know just whatever and. So yeah, it it really did. You mentioned true. Die Hard, so I can go off subject for a second. Did you see Brooklyn Nine Nine this week? Yeah. <laughs> the groom's cake was the was amazing. Uh, yeah, the Nakatomi, Nakatomi Plaza. Plaza. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he's like, and he's hanging by a little licorice rope. It was awesome. I mean, I guess that's spoilers for Brooklyn Nine Nine, but whatever. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> it, it was cool. I was like. That is the coolest groomsman cake ever. <laughs> oh. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, their little talk, I, I really dug. And then Angela gets to have... Well, before Angela gets to have her moment with her mom, we get her mom and her husband, or, I mean, her dad, um... Kind of if I'm having, not mistaken, that's the same lady that Angela talks to later in life, right? It looks like her. Maybe. I mean, it looks just like her about the lawsuit. I think so, because she's in the previously on. But I watched it twice, and neither time did I go back and double check that. It was like, maybe that's her. I don't know. Well, Maybe to me, it, it looked matter. just like her. I mean, so. Yeah, she talks about an anonymous benefactor, right? So, who do you think, is that E-Corp? Like, is that what who she's alluding to? Because, like, that kind of has come up before in regards to Angela and her dad. Well, maybe not so much all of E-Corp, but maybe a higher ranking official in E-Corp. 
um, giving up personal money or something. I, I wasn't sure. I just I was I'm just speculating. That that's all I'm doing. Uh, it might be the the company, but um, I don't know. I, I I'm interested to find out if it's maybe it's Philip Price. I can't wait that, to see him next week. That was the first name I thought of whenever the benefactor was mentioned. But yeah, who knows? Or it could be White Rose. Yeah, see, I, I was thinking, is it White Rose? But I was like, no, because this has come up before with Angela and her dad and like their money situation and whatever. And so I think it just probably is e-corp um we might find out we might not i don't know that it necessarily matters um but angela gets to have a moment with her mom talking about how this isn't the end and we kind of get that sappy sentimental thing but it's not it doesn't come off that way but it's just kind of like a, a conversation we've seen plenty in plenty of other movies. But it was still, I thought, really, really well done. No, I agree. So, smash cut from there to alarms going off and Elliot staring at Angela. And me having to say, while in the future I might be right, um, presently I was wrong. Apparently, he did make it from the 23rd floor up to the 41st floor. I don't know how he got up 18 floors. But, okay. Whatever. If that was Elliot, we saw run past her. Am I wrong? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I was like, did I I don't you? think... No. Um, I muted my mic because the kids were talking. Yeah. Um, I still don't think you were totally wrong. Um, cause I don't know. There's that slight chance that people, that they keep swapping places. If you get what I mean. Uh, um, yeah, that might be. A, you don't know which Elliot is which. That, if that's if what we I... are talking about time travel. You don't know which one is which. And we won't know until all is, you know, everything's revealed. Right. Um, for all we know, one one Elliot is in the past and one Elliot is in the future. And we don't know which one we're, we're seeing. So, <laughs> for, for more on that headache, <laughs> watch season two of The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I had mentioned to you earlier in the week that about a... You know, of all the time travel movies, uh, 12 Monkeys is one of my favorite. Um, and this this episode kind of lended to that a little bit. Like, what if the more he, he keeps trying to fix it? I don't even worse... know if it's a little bit, man. <laughs> it felt a lot like stuff from 12 Monkeys. Like, if you took Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis and 12 Monkeys... And somehow merge them into the same character. That's like Elliot slash Mr. Robot or something. 
Yeah, it, it. What if it's one of those situations where the more he tries to fix it, the worse he keeps making it? I mean, like Bruce Willis ultimately winds up Spoilers. creating. <laughs> if you haven't seen Twelve Monkeys by now, you should just. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ryan just ruined it for you. <laughs> well, he ultimately winds up creating the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, which in the future people think those were the people that caused all the the chaos and and ended humanity. And but they weren't. Well, they were just a bunch. Only twenty percent of people lived, uh, and they were just a bunch of psychotic. I mean, what if Darlene and Elliot are just a bunch of dummies with the laptops? Right. And Elliot keeps coming back and trying to fix it and just keeps giving them more and more power to the point where they wind up connecting with uh, the Dark Army. What and if... the Dark Army takes over and then, like, that's the end-all, be-all after that. <laughs> so what if the reason that he is so... that that he has these mental problems... Is that he somehow um, mentally and spiritually traveling to the past to try to keep Allah like quantum leap to try to keep changing things, and he's still like either making it worse or causing the problem. So he gets to the end and he has to go back to the beginning and try to do it all over again, and. Like, he's just done it so many times that his brain is broken and he's fractured into these two personalities. And now it's just worse and worse and worse and worse. And, like, it's just this repeating, like, endless loop that he's stuck in. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hitting at. Yeah, that's... I think that's very possible. I mean, because that is... 12 monkeys in a nutshell. Like, Bruce Willis is a kid, sees this thing goes down, it, like, changes his, like, life. Like, it's this burned-in memory of of his childhood, of this thing at this airport, right? It's an airport, isn't it? And... Yeah, it's the airport. He it's grows airport. up, and then winds up going back into the past, and being the guy in the airport that creates all of this that he was witness to as a child. So, you know, it's, he's stuck in this loop and he can never get out of it. You know, no matter what he, the only way he doesn't, it doesn't happen is if he never travels to the past, but you know, if he never travels to the past and you know, it's that whole thing, catch 22 of time travel. Um, (laughs) Uh, not to jump back to the flash, but I saw a meme earlier this week that Tom Cavanaugh tweeted out the guy that plays Harry Wells. And it was just pictures of the flash with the, you know, how he does like the intro. My name is Barry Allen. And uh, this week I do this and this. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just, it ultimately it just goes to the bottom. And it's like, and ultimately I am the cause of all of my own problems. <laughs> it's like, that's the flash, man. Like every time they do something, they just wind up creating their own, like something he has to solve. So. Yeah. Um, not really, somebody just needs to show. go back in time and kill kid flash. Kill Barry. And yeah. that's the end of it. Everybody um, will be okay. 
if it wasn't for Tom Cavanaugh and um, I can't think of his name, but the Law and Order or original one of the original detectives Jesse... from Law. And... What's his last name? Jesse something. If it wasn't for them two, I don't know if I'd still be watching that. Show. I'd watch it. It's a I watch Gotham. I'd be watching the Flash, but yeah, right now they're. I'm no, nah, I'm I'm digging it. I like the elongated man stuff. Anyway, back to Mr. Robot. So, um, the Elliot and Angela face off, uh, confrontation. The truth comes out. He has this pretty big breakdown, you know, about how she's uh, uh, using him and betraying him, and I mean, she just like straight up cold front like turns her back it's like you know mr alderson i don't believe you're allowed to be in this building weren't you let go this morning it's like whoa it's your best friend since childhood man like how devoted to this cause are you yeah but that kind of made me flash back to the i'm not always gonna well if i'm not there for elliot would you give him that push so, um, I don't know. I don't think she intentionally gave him that push, but that what, was what you're referencing push. is uh, Elliot's dad telling her that. Say, yes, you know, if if I'm ever not there for Elliot, will you give him like a, the push? But he meant to kind of keep him in the real world, not to push him further towards creating um, chaos and. Uh, no, she actually pushed him to find another solution to stop. But I don't think that's what she was trying to do. I don't either, but to me it's kind of like a... It just felt like a play on that. Like, No, I mean, I totally agree with you. She pushed him, but she didn't realize she was pushing him. Well, I mean, at the end, it doesn't matter but we'll get to that in the end um he has this like recovered memory flashback of tyrell and this little mini rant that he goes on talking about how everything uh centers around the wet red wheelbarrow and a few other things that that was well, like one of the first episodes that elliot and tyrell got together right i think so um I I meant to go back. Because it looked like it was right outside on the the boardwalk. I meant to go back and look for it, and I just didn't have the time, uh, just to make sure, so I don't sound like an idiot going. We hadn't seen that, or we've seen that in this episode. Um, I also, I'm sure Reddit could have told me, but I didn't look on Reddit. Uh, So, yeah, that was that was pretty. Interesting. I don't know what it means, though. Like, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Um, except to... You know, maybe it's more of the... Like, oh, past predicting the future. So maybe this is all about either alternate universes or parallel universes or time travel or whatever. So... Um, from there we go to Darlene with the feds, um, and talking to Elliot and getting the address where Tyrell is. 
Um, poor, poor, poor Tyrell. <laughs> if you'd have told me in season one... Yeah, he's one, the one we constantly feel bad for. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have believed you, man. Like, because he was... Uh, what What's his name in uh, American Psycho? Patrick Bateman? I mean, he's like a Patrick Bateman-esque character. And... Now I just feel sorry for the guy. We saw him murder someone. Like he strangled a lady to death. And now I just feel bad for him. He so badly wants to belong to something that he just keeps getting like twisted in all these different ways. Um, But now they know where he is. They take that to um, their boss who turns out to be in on it. So, that's nice. Did we already know that? No, that's the first we heard of that. Okay, I, I think we knew that they had somebody on the inside. I just don't, I don't think we knew who it was. So, when we get this whole take care of Wellick thing, which worried me because I thought we were going to see the end of Tyrell in this episode. I don't know if I was alone there. No, uh, I was kind of wondering if we'd see him at all, but then when, when we did see him, you know. Well, I thought when I saw, you know, like, especially... When um, White Rose gets that phone call about Tyrell's location being kind of burned, I was like, oh, he's going to die. So, White Rose talking to Philip Price. It's a scene where nothing gets said. And because nothing gets said, we, we like get a lot from that. Like, these are two people who, when they're not playing this chess game of whatever. That's what I was about to say. They don't know they, what to they do. They just seem like, yeah, they're just two dudes that are playing a high dollar money, or I guess high dollar and money go together. High dollar chess game. And a when they're not doing that, chess game. They're, yeah, they're just like bored. <laughs> I mean, they result to gossiping about the guy who owns the building they're in and how they're not going to go hang out with him on his <laughs> boat. Yeah, yeah, because it's trashy. Or the party he's throwing is trashy. And the, the <laughs> shorts he wears are too tight. Yeah. what Hanging God. brain. Hanging brain, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the almost spit take is legit B.D. Wong. About to break character, just because of of um, Michael Christopher that plays Philip Price, his delivery of that is phenomenal. If they ever do another kind of uh, another X Men movie where we need maybe um, an older Magneto type character. I think he would be good. He'd have to have hair, but I think he'd be good. 
because he has that kind of like that demeanor and the, that that cadence with his speech. Well, his it's delivery. It's all on the yeah. delivery. I mean, <laughs> so I, I I could see him playing some or voicing Magneto, you know, uh, in a, like a cartoon. So it it was a really really great scene with this long awkward silence. I was like, this is perfect, man. <laughs> um, so let's see where do we? Oh, from there that's the building evacuation where Elliot gets to the building and he's gonna to shut it all down and he has to sneak into it, steal that dude's badge. And the whole, like, this whole thing is him and Mr. Robot fighting for control. So we keep getting these blackouts. And This is where this turned into the greatest episode of the show that I've ever seen. <laughs> you think so? Yes. I mean, it's brutal, but it's hysterical at the same time, right? It's brutal, brilliant, and hysterical all <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, basically what it is, is he's got to, uh, do a, it's, it's called kill process. I don't think I ever even said the name of the episode, which is kill process, um, on what is going to trigger stage two so that it doesn't happen. The buildings is intact. Nobody gets killed. It's not blown up, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole time, the Mr. Robot persona is fighting him. So he keeps glitching. And it gets to a point where they both have such, like, maintained control. Or Elliot is doing such a good job of maintaining control that the brief seconds Mr. Robot is able to wrestle him from him, he just uses Elliot to beat the hell out of himself. <laughs> My favorite was the computers. Like, when he goes into that computer room, and then he glitches, and he's, he's standing up. Destroys and, all those computers. And that dude is just backed up against the wall. <laughs> I was like, I guess he didn't like what I had to say. I thought it was freaking great, man. When he runs back into the building the first time, though, he's like, why, why do we always cut these things so damn close? Uh, talking, like, playing up the whole ticking clock like you see in most movies when there's a bomb. So, um, meanwhile, Dom and her partner decide to go eat, or while well, Dom does, go eat at the Red Wheelbarrow, the barbecue joint, and scope it out because they're pretty sure that's where Tyrell is. And I don't know why I didn't think that that's where Tyrell was. I guess I just never put that together. But we've talked about the Red Wheelbarrow we before. We have, but not as a hideout. We talked about it as a front. I was like, I wonder, I think we even talked about, like, I wonder what it's a front for. I never it's thought it was. It's a front for him to hide out yeah, in. Yeah, I, I don't know why I never thought that. I just never put that together. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's why he's eating there all the time. He freaking lives in the basement. Or at least is always going down into the basement. So, so yeah, uh, Tyrell thinks he's... Meanwhile, Tyrell's in the basement. Thinks he's about to die and that Irving's going to kill him. 
and Irving tells him, you know, no, you're not going to get to go on this trip. You're not going to see your family. And I'm really sorry. And he gives him a picture, right? But we don't see what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a picture. Or... Have you ever burned a picture? Yeah, that's kind the looked, kind of smoke. Yeah, that... it looked like a burning picture. Just the way it went up and the kind of flame and well, smoke. Well, it has to be picture paper, not like right. regular paper with right. a pixelated yeah, photo, photo paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looked like that. And I didn't know what he was doing. Like, I didn't know if he was... I was like, okay, well, they're not going to kill him. Did they just give him enough to where he's just like, okay, well, I have nothing to live for, so I'm going to kill myself. Because, like, he busts open some handcuffs. Um, seemed yeah, like, I didn't know what the deal with the handcuffs was. Do you think it was a picture of his his wife dead? I think the handcuffs were a red herring. Like, hey, I was trapped down here. Yeah. And I escaped. So, in the end, that's ultimately what I kind of came to the conclusion on. But I didn't know where we were going with all of that. I was like, what's the handcuffs for? Is he going to kill himself? What's, like, was the picture of his wife? What the hell is going on? So, Dom sniffs out the smoke. Um, but by the time she discovers it and gets into the, the basement or the back room, uh, Tyrell's gone. Uh, her boss shows up, reprimands her. Um, I'm wondering if you caught, I don't know the other detective's name or agent's name. Sorry. But did you catch those two? Like she looks back at her. No, I don't think I caught that. No. So yeah, Dom gets reprimanded. I think she might be on the verge of discovering that her boss is crooked, but that's okay. And there's this other agent, female agent standing behind her. And Dom does this like slow kind of look, almost like she's looking away because she's being reprimanded, but behind her, like over her shoulder and sees the other female agent. And then like they make eye contact and then she turns back and then, a few seconds later, Dom walks out to that food cart thing or food truck or whatever and orders a drink. And that woman walks up and says, are you going to be okay? Or something like that. And she's like, yeah, I'll be back at the bureau later. And then that's when Tyrell shows back up. So <clears throat> I'm wondering if she had a former relationship like, we kind of know she's not in a relationship unless something's changed. Because when we were first introduced to her last year, which is in Showtime only like a few weeks ago or something at this point, she's pretty lonely and kind of destitute and depressed. So I wonder if they're, they used to be together and they split up. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Go back and watch that scene, man. Well, I, I did feel the tension. Um, 
Because it's not, I didn't, it's I didn't not her think about partner. That. You know, it's not her partner that walks up to her and says, are you okay? It's this female agent who, if we've seen before, we've seen in the background. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, well, that means no, I something. No, I know we've seen her before because I recognized her. Okay. So... So yeah, so yeah, that's when Tyrell shows back up, and well, it it kind of all happens split up, but it's hard to do it like this scene. Then we jump to this scene. Then we jump to this scene. So Dom gets her drink, and then we hear this person like screaming in the background, and she turns and runs towards him or walks towards him, and it's Tyrell screaming about how. They have to stop it. They have to stop what's about to happen. And that's when I put it together. Like, he did the handcuffs so that he could say he was being held against his will. And that they used him to set this up when it goes down. So he could play the victim. And... That's when I go from, I've been feeling so bad for Tyrell, back to being like, nope, he's still the same a-hole that he's been from the beginning. <laughs> so, any you know, as long as he can weasel his way out of it, he's kind of a lot like Angela. <laughs> and, I, I mean, come to think of it, a lot of other people. Darlene, too. Speaking of Darlene, <laughs> I mean, that's a big pot shot at Angela. And, yeah, it was kind of uh, like... And the actress that plays her. Portia Doubleday. She's like, open the door. I can see your big ass eye. <laughs> like, her eyes aren't that big. I like literally laughed. <laughs> Like out loud, and I know LOL is you know whatever. But when she said, "I can see your big ass eye," I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I can't believe she said that." Uh, yeah, I, it was it was. Pre- I mean, cause she, I mean, I guess on the show it looks like she kind of has buggy eyes. Um, and they they've said that about Rami Malek too. Like something about his buggy eyes just creeps me out. I don't remember who said it. Oh, it was her. It was Dom's partner. Like, yeah, his buggy eyes just creeped me out. I'm like, well, you're taking a shot at the star of the show. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that that scene was pretty great. Uh, and the whole episode, we got this whole like Darlene's hiding something from the feds, and I'm I just assumed that. She was not protecting Angela, but like, no, she's mine. Like, I, I'm. You're not. You're not gonna get her. I'm gonna get her. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, what happened? Oh, uh, in between all of that, we keep getting these like cut back and forth scenes of. Elliot and Mr. Robot fighting with each other. Eventually, Elliot decides he's going to go down to the battery room. And that's where he's going to stop everything. And he finally gets to write out a message. 
Um, and, and the whole time it's just him beating himself up. Like when he throws himself against the wall or hits his head on that pipe. Like that whole scene of him in the hallway is just phenomenal, man. Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, that was one of the... that. That's why I said from from the time when he started doing all of that, it became the best episode of the series to me. It That's hard to pull off. I mean, that... He's throwing himself up against walls, beating his head against pipes. He's, I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, and you you buy into it because you've bought into the character. Um, like you really believe that Mr. Robot is doing them this to himself, or Elliot's doing it to himself. Whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. Uh, I I skipped over the scene where Angel is on the subway, which is important, but kind of just reaffirms her whole, like, belief that somehow they're going to change everything. And Quantum Leap It set right what once went wrong. And, because, you know, she just doesn't give up a purse to that mugger in the Mr. Robot mask. Or the F-Society mask, I should say. And she tells those old ladies, no, no one's going to die. Which, if the episode has a false moment, it's those two old ladies in the sub in the subway car. They were not good actresses. (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were plants. I was like, are these old ladies like E Corp people or F Society members? Are they about to like threaten Angela? Like, what's going on? Because their acting is just really wooden. But no, it just turns out that they're just. Two probably really nice old ladies who aren't great actresses. Um, there was a part I wondered about before. Well, I'm, we kind of jumped over it. Where I'll have to go back before Terrell burns whatever it is he's burning. Um, you see, uh, Dom's boss in his office. Oh, and, talking to his mom. Yeah, and um, telling her to you know stay, stay inside, home. whatever. Yeah. And he's looking at a, which it struck me because I like to collect the little globes, uh, the snow globes. Yeah, New York. And he keeps staring at this I love New York snow globe. And I don't know why it just kind of struck me as important. Well, Um, it makes a lot more sense later. Because, like, if, if you're really thinking about it, you're like, okay, so we know he's in on blowing up this building. But unless his mom works at the building or next door to the building or even within three blocks of the building, why why are you calling her to tell her to, like, if she was at work, she would have already been at work by now. Like, why are you calling her to tell her to stay home? She's obviously older, so she's, she doesn't work, you know, when he's like, I will send the insurer to you. So, like, I'm like, what's his motive? Like, why, why does she have a hair appointment at the same building or next door? Or, like, what the hell does this mean? But then later at the end of the episode, when you go back and rewatch that scene, makes a lot more sense. He knew that it wasn't about that building. He knew it was about something else. Right. So... Because for all we know, his mom doesn't even live there. 
This is, yeah, this is true. Yep. So, I, I was like, ah, oh, okay. That, that makes sense. Like, it makes, that's a, it's a tease for what you're going to get at the end. So, if you're really thinking about it, you're kind of thrown off by it. Which I was, but only in a, like, okay, I guess we're showing this dude's human side. Whatever. Um... But yeah, Elliot in the room, in the battery room, convinces Mr. Robot, says, look around you, there's no paper records here, check these files, there's nothing here, this is just a terrorist attack to kill all these people. And he thinks he saved the day. Tyrell's getting arrested. They didn't blow up the building. Um... The feds have what they want, who they need, essentially. You know, maybe Darlene and Elliot are going to go into hiding. But the problem is, this is only episode six of the season. <laughs> we have four more to go. So, well, see, I think Ter- Terrell obviously knew that that wasn't the end game, that building. That that was the building they were going to save. The end game was... Well, he came up with the plan. It's his plan. Well, that we... That we can think it was his plan. No, Uh, but remember he tells... I know, but we don't know other things that uh, we don't know. (laughs) You're right, but... When he's like... You know, I think we can do this. They tell him he's got a timeline. He's got to speed it up. And and he's going to... He tells him, I'm going to need the whole might of the dark army or whatever this was Terrell's plan this is the plan he set in motion and now he's going to get to play himself off try or try to play himself off as a victim who was kidnapped and kind of like Brad Pitt and 12 monkeys yeah you know a little bit he's one step ahead of us, right? Like, which is great, because we don't need to be ahead of the show. Well, no, I guess... It's kind of reversed. Sometimes we are ahead of the show, but these episodes are produced in advance, so he's already done it. So it's not like, oh, we saw this coming. It's kind of designed, maybe, for us to to see these influences, because it, it's always one its influences on its sleeve. I just saw Mr. Robot throw Elliot down the stairs. And it's which, so good. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but everything we discuss, right? It's not... It can't just be me. And, and you guys don't hear every conversation we have because we don't record them all. We have a lot of, like, driving back and forth from work conversations about the show that we just yeah, wind that's up where not the talking 12 about monkeys later. conversation went into effect. <laughs> yeah. And this episode, like you said, and maybe it's just because we're forcing ourselves to see it because we we're talking about it, but I don't think it is, you know, I like, I legitimately saw like 12 monkeys influence on this, on this episode and, you know, can see how it will influence the future of the show. 
and I was just like, this is amazing, man. It, it's not like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, we're Babe Ruth, we're calling the shots on this show, but every time we talk about something, it comes up in some form or fashion. We talked well, about point, the Back to the Future cartoon last week. <laughs> at this point, it, it comes into effect that like, we talk about some of our favorite time travel things, and they just, it seems to manifest itself on screen. Um, at this you know, point, I'm, I'm certain of one of two things. Either we would meet Sam Esmail, and he would become our best friend, or we would meet <laughs> Sam Esmail, and he would become our worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we're going to destroy that guy. <laughs> or he's going to destroy us, more likely. Yeah, he would probably destroy us. He's like, us. no, I hate you guys. Go away. <laughs> it's like our dad when we used to watch movies and he'd figure them out before the end. <laughs> like, why, why did you have to tell us? <laughs> why did you have to tell us that they were actually not filming... Or that they were filming a movie and this wasn't actually a movie. <laughs> it was a movie within a movie. Uh, we won't say the name of the movie so that we don't spoil it. But he called it from, like, literally, my dad. What, ten minutes into the movie? Not even. We start watching the movie and, like, after the opening credits, he's like, wouldn't it be funny if this was, like, a movie within a movie? Like, they were making a movie about something that really happened. And at the end of the movie, that's what happens. Like, the mic, boom mic drops down and somebody flubbed their line. And I'm just looking at him like, what is wrong with you? Why? <laughs> it's it's about, like that time we were in the theater and I leaned like over to you. It's like that a-hole that leaned over and says, uh, Liam Neeson is Raz Ghoul right <laughs> before it happened. <laughs> Like, you couldn't just let me get to the moment and say, I knew it the whole time. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have believed me. <laughs> That's not true. Um, anyway, so we think everything is just good. Like, Elliot has saved the day, or at least set everything on the right path. And he thinks so, too. And he's walking home, and... Did you notice that Darlene and Angela, like, they they both look at their phones because that uh, uh, an alarm is going off? Like, did you catch that? No, I didn't catch it that. It blends no. in with the music. But they both kind of look at their phones at the same time, and then it cuts away from their scene. And so Elliot's walking down the street and sees these people gathered. You know, he starts starts getting ahead of it like thinking about it like they knew there were no paper records there because he had shipped them elsewhere they knew that all they would do would kill people like what what was their goal why were they going to do this what did they know that he didn't know and then he sees these people watching this tv and he says what did they know that i don't know and we find out that the facilities that elliot had been sending the paperwork to instead of this one facility being bombed every facility that he had been sending paperwork to was bombed and those people were killed and those records were destroyed 
So it happened. He tried to prevent it, but it still happened anyway. When when I did, when I saw that, the first thing I thought of was twelve monkeys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I called Logan earlier in the week and said, "What if this is like the twelve monkeys type of time travel? Like the more he does stuff, but we didn't even deal with the time travel. The it, more he causes stuff. <laughs> it, it was literally not even invoking the time travel, like." Whether it is or it isn't, he ultimately creates, not only does he cause the problem he's trying to solve, he creates more damage in the process. He kills more people by doing this than if he had just let it happen. Yeah, if he'd have let all the records be in the one building. Right. And they would have vacated the building, possibly found out that... And it would have blown up sooner. Uh, to come to find out that this building was probably not going to blow up to begin with. So. So, yeah. It, it's it's a... It's not even a gut punch. It's like a kick in the crotch. I mean, yeah, it really is. It's At the end of this episode, I was like, holy crap. I mean, I was blown away. Yeah. Really. I mean, I mean, it's like I see dead people. I mean, it was, I, I was just like, wow. <laughs> so there's a few more things I want to get into. First, I want to talk about just the fact that, um, and I know I'm kind of blinded by the show and don't see maybe the faults that are possibly there just because I love it so much. But in if this were almost any other show on any other network with any other showrunner, writer, producer, director, what have you, the last two episodes could, would, or at least should have been one episode. Everything we've seen in the last two episode, episodes could have been condensed into one 44-minute episode. Just by speeding up the pace, eliminating some of the, the, not, I don't want to call it downtime, but some of the maybe quote unquote unnecessary things, um, you know, scenes here and there, long silences, stuff like that. You easily could condense it down into just one episode. And well, here's the thing. Well, finish your thought. Go ahead. I'll take a show like Iron Fist, for example, which you haven't seen. No. <laughs> but does a lot of, like, covers a large, uh, I'm sorry, a small amount of ground over a large amount of time. You know, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings movies. That's probably a better example. Like, you're you're just walking from one place to another. And it, it takes nine hours to tell this story. And are, are three books, three very long books. And like it's just people walking and what they encounter. But it's what they're doing while they're walking. You could easily condense that story. It takes a special kind of person to tell this very 
long-winded story that's only about a very short period of time because all of this happens within like a two-hour span. I mean, literally by the time he stops the building from blowing up, it's like, what, two in the afternoon? And the second, the other episode started like that morning with him going to work. So we're not even talking about a full day. No, that that's exactly what I was going to say is um, the difference is that this takes a long period of time. Well, a short period of time spread out into a long period of time, but makes it interesting. Whereas I could have went and saw Return of the King and saw 30 minutes of each of the other movies and been like, okay, this was a great movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're just missing some movies that people really love. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying there's a lot of people out there that really like those movies. Um, the, the insult to injury is just... It's not the, that I did not like any of the other movies. I never saw the Hobbit movies and I they're won't. Not, not great. But... Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say they're not great. The Hobbit movies. That My whole point was that if this were almost any other show, I mean... I would be furious at the amount of time it's taken to tell this portion of this story. And here we've taken two episodes of a very short series. We only get 10 of these a year. Last year we got 12, but only because the first two were two hours long. And it's the best show on TV. Well, there's not many shows that could get away with it. Um, uh, in my opinion, you know, this show could get away with it. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's a comedy, but if they did a four-episode stretch of... You say continue- that, but do you remember some of the stuff from last year? Like how old it got with him being in that uh, that community in Florida? Yeah, that did get, get kind of washed up. Um, yeah, so I can agree with you there. Um, not I'm not dissing the show. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but <clears throat> sometimes they can just overdo something. Um, Preacher so, has, a, has the ability to do it, yeah, I think. Pre- Preacher has definitely... What even if they don't don't do it over a four episode span, they can reference back, and I'm interested enough to to go. Okay, I know where they're coming from. Well, I mean, I there are parts of Preacher about. this season where a large portion of an episode was retelling the events of the previous episode from another point of view, and it was never terrible. It was maybe unnecessary, but it was never terrible. I think maybe Supergirl could do it. Um, 
Not this season. Yeah, this season has been lackluster. The Flash, maybe. Um, I don't know if any, I don't know if any of those shows can stand up yeah. to the kind of scrutiny that the, that this show can. The Gifted hasn't been on long enough. Uh, it's been Lethal, pretty. Lethal good, Weapon though. has actually done a really good job of that. Yeah, but, I, I guess I need to watch it. You haven't, yeah, you haven't watched it. It's uh, better than the movies. The Gifted has been really good, man. Like, shockingly good. And Garrett um, Dillahunt, I just want to see him do something awesome. Uh, Inhumans was almost terrible. terrible. Uh, no, it wasn't even almost terrible. It was it was Charles Barkley terrible. That's how... Terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this is, I think, the best show on television. It's the best produced, the best written, best directed. Uh, it's got maybe the best cast on TV. That's just, I don't know, man. Legion. Legion's really good like that, too. Uh, the Orville's not bad. Uh, or Orville, the Orville's whatever not, it's called. It's not. There's no way it's like this. No, it's it's much more of a comedy um, it's like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine type thing. It's like Star Trek for Brooklyn. It's yeah. like if Brooklyn Nine-Nine was Star Trek, that'd be the I, I, Yeah, I understand your reference. Oh. <laughs> um, what did, I was going to bring up something else, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, oh, we did get an email. So... Oh uh, yeah, we got an email on my end too from ATL. That's what I was what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Although I don't think it's anything we need to like this she she just basically saying, Sorry guys, I'm behind on the podcast. While Ryan digs uh, it up. Yeah, I'm digging it up. I mean um, if it, it's not anything to discuss on the show really. So but you can email us at Mr. Robot Podcast. You can let us know your theories and why you think I'm wrong. So, let's see. Was that the only email we got? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Of course. She's the, she's the only one that listens to us. <laughs> we have one listener. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh man. No, um, she just said she stays behind. Yeah. Um. She. She's always caught up on the show, but sometimes she gets behind on the podcast. So, what, two weeks ago we mentioned her, and she felt bad that she just now got back to oh, us. Oh, whatever. I, I, there's no, I mean, you know how many podcasts I listen to? There's only one I ever send an email <laughs> to. One. But she would like to have us on her show uh, as long as her co-host approves. And uh, we definitely want her on our show because it just got interesting with uh, all j- the... Not just. It's been interesting, <laughs> but it just got more interesting. It, it got severely more interesting. Um, worst case scenario is after the finale, we do like a wrap-up show and just talk about the, the series as a whole, the season as a whole, and... We will definitely have our own then. Uh, we'll, we're going to try to have our own before. 
Um, we're gonna, still trying to get Spencer on. His schedule never seems to line up. Um, actually, I used to before uh, Spencer and I became friends. I used to email the film to Spencer podcast. That's kind of how we started corresponding. So, which is weird because we both lived in the same city. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> and went to the same comic book store because there's only one. Um, no, I, there's one podcast I email. And it's called, it used to be called Destroy All Movies. And now it's just called The Damn Show. It's these two dudes from Jersey who live in California who just watch movies. And the old episodes are great because they would watch movies and they would just rip them to shreds. But now they only do the occasional episode and it's always a superhero movie. And they just wind up loving it. But they do kind of mock it at, at times. Um, but, like, the the guy that hosts it, like, he'll say something wrong. And, like, before I even, like, listen to the whole episode to see if he corrects himself, I will stop what I'm doing. Because I got it saved on my, uh, like, email draft. Like, I will just open the email draft and start typing to, to him. His name's Jim. And he's like, damn it, Jim. Like, check IMDb <laughs> before you say stuff. What is wrong? Like, just give them a hard time. And then, of course, they will read the email on the air and make fun of me on the air, which I always get a kick out of. So, I actually won some stuff from them one time. Um, they had a, like, a contest to win a bunch of Comic-Con swag. And I think it was like the person who sends them an email that grosses them out the most. And I wrote some like, it was pretty horrible. and But I won the Comic-Con swag. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good show. They just don't put out a lot of episodes anymore. They... They did a whole run on, like, the Twilight stuff that was just hysterical, man. And even even the Harry Potter movie, they did all the Harry Potter movies. And they rip them to shreds, but in a loving way. Because, like, you can tell they, they really enjoy them. But then they just, like, start mocking them endlessly. And you're not really, you never got into the Potter stuff. But it's it's a really funny show. I wish so I think I got episodes. into the third movie. That was as far as I made it. Yeah, so. yeah. that's the, like I said. I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's the only one I ever email. Just because a I know they'll read the email on the air. B they're not going to be like why is this dude giving us a hard time? Um, they'll play along with it and then like go back at me, you know. And it's just it's fun. Like to me, that's always been fun. So, um, uh, so I think that's it. Other than, hey, James Franco is possibly starring in a multiple man movie. Then, you know, yeah, that's it. What do you think about that new Hulu, uh, TV show? It's, uh, golly, I can't think of the name of it now. Runaways? No, it's, uh. He's called like Time Man or Oh Future Man. Future Man, yeah. I watched the pilot. It's 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 fun. 
Uh, kind of seems like a movie that we used to like called The Last Starfighter. You haven't watched the pilot. I watched the first like ten minutes, and I was like, "What is this? The Last Starfighter, the television series?" <laughs> so what you don't know is that when so kind of spoilers, I guess, for the premise of the show. Some people, this guy beats a video game. These people show up from the future and go, you beat the game. That means you can save the world. No, he didn't just beat a game. He beat a game that was impossible to beat. Right. So. So is that, is that what I get? The gist of the show is, uh, yeah. And specifically when they show back, show up from the future and tell him what happened, he's like, okay, so you're trolling me because this is the last Starfighter." Oh, awesome. I know. I I can't wait to watch the show. (laughs) I liked the pilot. I thought it was good. Well, okay, I'm going to have to check it out. So. So. But, yeah. But, yeah, I started watching it, and he's all in the future, and he's fighting all these criminals, and then he wakes up in his parents' house, and they're, like, wanting to feed him pancakes or something. I was like... Okay, this is like the last Starfighter. <laughs> yep. It's exactly like that. So, yeah, everybody should go check that out. It's, I, like I said, I really like the pilot. So, anyway, so we'll be back next week um, talking episode seven, which is. You don't want to say the title of the episode? Yeah. No. Okay. You told me not to tell you. <laughs> well, now I'm curious, though. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you unless you let me tell you the synopsis. Nope. I'm not telling you. I can't wait to watch it. I was, totally, I was totally surprised by this week's episode. Well, and I will totally appreciate it if I'm the same way next week. Well, so. next week when they travel to the Wild Wild West... And have to save all of time in the future. And battle a giant surprised. spider. And uh... No, that's... that's. I was talking about Back to the Future Part 2. You gotta go bring up that crappy movie. Oh. Well, I mean, that's Back the to the Wild Future Wild Part West. 3, I mean. <laughs> uh, I swear. Alright, we'll see you guys next week. But we gotta go back. <laughs> This is, this is getting this is getting heavy, Doc. Is, why? Why is it? Is there something wrong with Earth's gravitational pull in the future? Oh man! The first lady is Jane Wyman. Anyway, bye everybody. That's all you had to say. Here's a little ghost for the offering Yeah, 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 yeah Here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's Yeah, 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 yeah Mr. Andy Coffin's gone wrestling Yeah, yeah